Hey, everyone. Welcome to Beyond the Pew. Pastor Eric Gill. Welcome, welcome. John 10.10. What does that say? You have a sweatshirt on. It says John 10.10. It is is based off the interaction with Jesus and the woman at the well. Okay. It is one of my favorite. Actually, I will say it's my favorite story in the Bible. Okay. Yeah, so it's great. It's, uh, it's when Jesus told her that I have come to give life and give life in abundance. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That's a great verse. Yeah, um, I love it. Do you get asked about that sweatshirt often? I do. That's why I like wearing it. Okay. So, hey, what's yeah. John Den Den? Or where does abundant, because in the back it says abundant life. Nice. So what does that mean? And it's a good segue. Conversation starters. Yeah. So I love it. You know it. what else is a conversation starter? Yeah. Fantasy football? Oh. Marinette the Bible Church gear. <laughs> yes. And, which, uh, by the way, and, did yes. you know? Did you know that there's a discount right now? There is a discount yeah, right now. because we do Black uh, Friday. Why is it called Black Friday? Uh, my understanding of Black Friday is that is when businesses that were in the red financially would get back into the black financially. In other what words, does that mean? Get their head above water. So like that's when they would begin to see profits for the year because they were in the red, which means they were not receiving profits. But Black Friday, after Thanksgiving, that's when all the shopping would take place and they would get out of that. Now, that might be wrong, but that's what I've heard. Yeah. So, so was it was your to-go store for Black Friday? Because that's next Friday. No, not yeah. not that Friday that this is, you know, but yeah, next Friday. Next Friday. Yeah, yeah next not Friday. like as in it's the Friday after Thanksgiving. Yeah, right? so. So it's Friday after Thanksgiving, next Friday. So it's not next um, Friday? Well, this is going to be released on this Friday. Yeah, but so it the, be the following Friday. So a yeah. week from today. Yeah. If you're listening yeah. to this on a Friday. Um, go-to store on Black Friday. I don't really have a go-to store on Black Friday. I do not like Black Friday shopping. Really? Do you? Well, I mean, I, to be fair... I feel like shopping Black Friday now, it's not what it used to be. It's not. No, because you can just go online and get everything online. Absolutely. I was just going to say that. Yeah. My preference would be online yeah. as opposed to bad. I like that now. But I will tell you, though, my very very first Black Friday uh, experience at uh, in the U.S. was amazing. I loved it. Hmm. Yeah, I went to Best Buy. I was just going to say, didn't Best get anything, Buy but is where it was just cool. Like camped out. Yeah, sometimes. I was uh, in the line. Yes, uh, yeah. I, you know, it was it was cool. It is it, it yeah. is a neat experience if yeah. you've not done that, uh, especially. But really but it's it. it's kind of silly because I don't get like the discount you get there. Not that crazy. Some of them are like there's a few yeah. door busters, if you will, that that brings that draws the people in. Draws Hence the name. them in. Doorbusters. Wow, so did that. Yeah, you see. But uh, yeah. anyhow, back to the merch. If you want Maranatha merch, you can get it, right? It's yeah. it's a discounted price right now. Ten hoodies, bucks. Yeah, Ten hoodies. Bucks. Uh, you can't beat that. T-shirts are five bucks. And uh, you can find them at NBC95.org. Dot org then, slash, I think, store. Or if not, just scroll all the way to the bottom all and the it bottom. will say merch. Merch, yep. Yeah. Just hit so, it. So uh, shameless plug. Yeah, we shameless have uh, black, navy, or not really navy. It's kind of like a bluish. Like a bluish. Blue, yeah. white, mm-hmm. yep, and then some T-shirts. Yes, yeah, it should so. be cheaper for you. But it's conversation starter. People yeah. ask, "Oh, where's that church at?" And you can tell them. In the sense of church, and church. what does Maranatha mean, Pastor Bruce? Absolutely, uh, come, Lord Jesus. Wow. We want the Lord to come. What a great news! Come is back, that? absolutely. It's a great so. news. Well, I don't know. Do you know what episode this is? I believe this is episode twenty-nine. Twenty-nine. Yeah, I would say. You're right, but I don't know. But yeah. I'm, I'm guessing 29 is correct. Yeah. And we have eight more episodes. Eight more episodes. Before episode uh, 37. 37. Which was just a random episode that we selected, not be any any planning there. Just episode 37 that you would know the number that people can text in if they which have questions. Which is 330-331-9456. Nope. Nope. It was I close. Go, I'm halfway there. It's close. Halfway 330. There. No. Nope. What, what is was it? that? What was that attempt at? <laughs> 
<laughs> what is it? Living on a prayer. Were you trying to sing a little bit of Living yeah, on a Prayer, yeah, Bon Jovi? Is yeah, that what you were trying yeah, to do? I was trying to I'm do not that. endorsing Bon Jovi or the song, so don't go listen to it. I'm just asking, yeah, is that what you were doing there? Yeah. Okay. That's how the opportunity. Whoa. We're halfway there. Yeah, we're halfway yeah, I got there. You. Yeah. Well, we know you like to sing yeah. um, because you gave your audition for our worship pastor, Sean Colelli. Yeah. And, um, and he said, nah. Nope. He wasn't for it. He was not for it. He was not. But 330. 331-6453 You're getting close to it, but you only have eight episodes left. Help Eric out eight episodes. When you see him, just tell him what the number is because I'm sure yeah. everybody knows what it is from hearing it yeah. Yeah. all around the world. So, And you, the reason why we tell them that number is so that you can submit any question. Any question. Literally about anything. Anything. If you want to know anything about Pastor Bruce's personal life, you can text it in and he will share with you. He's obliged. Obliged? Obliged to share. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that nice? That's a fancy word. To share. He has to share. You can ask him about anything. Well. And he has to. Within reason. Legally bounded. Within reason. How's your fantasy football team doing, by the way? It's doing all right. It's what, is that, what does that mean? 5-5. Five, five. Have you made any important trades recently? I did. You did? Yeah. What was the important trade? I got uh, Hop- Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah. Who did you trade for DeAndre Hopkins? Because I, I missed that in our league. I traded uh, Myers. And uh, uh, what's his name from the Baltimore, the runabout for the Baltimore? No, you did not. Yeah. For DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah. <sighs> it was a good trade. How so are you, you doing? You look you. at you. Look at you. You are doing so well in fantasy. It's now true. you're so happy. It's true. But let's not bring up the Bills because that's a sensitive topic right now. Why is it a sensitive topic? Well, they're not doing that well. They're six and three. Yeah, Josh Allen's not looking that that prestigious. No, he is. Yeah, he's hurt. What do you want him to do? Then why is he playing? Because he's a baller, and he is committed to his team. Well, I mean, he did send a couple interceptions, so I wouldn't say he's a baller. he turns the ball. Listen, anybody who is a Buffalo Bills fan will tell you Josh Allen turns the ball over too much. Yeah. Yeah, it is what it is. But I've used this phrase before. Some people get excited about regular season games. Other people, they only get excited about the playoffs. I'm at the point as a Bills fan. You're not there yet as a Browns fan. I get it. But as a Bills fan, you don't get excited about regular season games. Now you're wanting Super Bowl. You're wanting championships. Yeah, but you haven't done any of those things. But that's so the thing. That's why you, you still get have nothing to be excited about. I'm excited about still, the prospect. You, can still, you still keep get coming out short. They well, I don't play, so it's not me on the field. So <laughs> nonetheless, I'm not coming. Your up team short. still yes, remains. The Bills are. <laughs> so here's a couple questions, uh, Pastor Eric Gill. Just to throw your way some questions that we have remaining. Let's go. Hit me um, up. And they're good I questions. Might plead, I might plead the fit if I don't know the answer. No, it's fine. Um, one of the questions I think is a really important question coming out of even our Doctrines of Demon series and about false teachers and a lot of false doctrine that's out there. Uh, the question is this. What are some practical tips for choosing a church to attend? Ooh. Which is a great that's, question. Yeah, that's a very, um, very important and question. And so, you know, people from all around the world, Hawaii, Alaska, yeah. they're wanting to know— Hey, if they want a church to attend, how do they go about choosing a church, or what are some tips for that? Yeah, I think that that is that should be one of the most important decisions that you make when it comes to where to choose to fellowship. Yep. I mean, we we have been let's start with something. We have been commanded to fellowship with each other. Yes. It is part of our design, and in Hebrews we're told, "Do not forsake the gatherings of the believers yes. or the coming together of believers." So recognizing that that's a command and that that's a necessity for the life of a Christian, a follower of Jesus, then we must find we must, we must find a place where to get together. What I will say as the most important thing, the thing that we should not waver, because a lot of, of a lot of things about 
church preference and things like that is leans on the light on the side of like what do you like what don't you like what do you want to see what do you want to see mm -hmm. but if there's one thing that should never be wavered one thing that should never be compromised is that from the pulpit and the church as uh, uh, as its own entity that they teach truth yeah that they are grounded on the word of god that everything else comes second to that truth that the church is is grounded and that it teaches the word of God. Yeah. And the way for you to know that, and that goes back to all the previous episodes we have done, is that you also have to understand and know the Bible. Sure. You cannot just go to a church and expect the pastors to tell you what to believe. Yes. You have to study it yourself so that you can examine the teaching and then choose, okay, is this a church that truly teaches the word of God? Yeah. I would say that's one. And then everything else, I guess, is just preference. Like maybe a church that, maybe if you have kids in the youth group, then maybe you look for a church that has a good youth group program. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe you have children and you want a church that offer uh, children ministry. Uh, I think those things come secondary. But what I will say, the biggest criteria that every believer needs to have when it comes to choosing a church is that they're grounded and that they teach the Word of God. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that's foundational. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Paul talked about it in Galatians. He said, I'm so astonished that you're quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. This is in Galatians 1. Yeah. And he says, not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. And so yeah. I think Paul lays this out to the believers uh, that he's writing to, reminding them to reject any teaching that would be contrary yeah. to the gospel they received. And so I would say a tip for someone who's looking for a church or choosing a good church to attend is that the foundation would be that they are faithfully preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news concerning Christ, that they are faithfully mm. and accurately teaching the, the word of God as yeah. authority. Um, and that's foundational. And un unfortunately, there are a lot of churches yeah. that are not doing that, Yeah. right? And so that's foundational. Yeah, and, and that's why I say that because, and, and I would say even to our culture right now, you know, we're we're really into, uh, you know, the, ser the the way our service looks. We're really into what does the church will carry to us. Like, sure. uh, what's the word I'm thinking? Like the, not the projects, but the uh, pr the. Production. Productions of a church. Yeah, uh, we're really into the type of songs that they sing, the type of the style, or even what artists that they choose from when it comes to singing. Uh, we're really into like how many servers they have, what does their service looks like, the components of their service. We're really into those things, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but what you see you often see is that there are a lot of people that are willing to compromise on biblical truth for the sake of getting those things. Yeah, they're okay with going to a church where the teaching of God's word is not actually God's word, but is the work of men sure. based on their own understanding, based on their own preference, on their own persuasion. And they're okay to sit on that teaching because the church itself does a great production. Yeah. No, you're right. And that's, that's the danger, I think, is that we can be so caught up sometimes when we're looking for a church with the programs and production mm -hmm. that we miss what is the foundation, yeah. right? And so there's nothing wrong with going to a church that has a lot of production no. or that is is doing a lot of creative things or has great ministries for all the family. Fantastic. But yeah. 
not at the expense of the foundation of God's work, right? Yeah. Uh, we've had folks that, for whatever reason, if they're leaving Maranatha Bible Church, if something was done that they're disgruntled about or they're upset about or they don't like the way something's done and they meet with me as a pastor or they meet before they leave, what I always encourage people is, you know, Maranatha Bible Church is not the only church. Yeah, um, It's not the only good church. It's not the only mm -hmm. Bible-believing church. My concern for anybody leaving Maranatha, though, would be that they find a church that is preaching the gospel is standing firm upon God's word, but yeah. also a church that they're not only going to be fed at. Yeah. But the other aspect I would tell people is to go to a ministry where they can also serve effectively yeah. because they have a gift to be used for the edification of the body. Mm -hmm. So if I'm giving a tip to someone, it would be the foundation of God's word and the gospel being preached, yeah. but also a fellowship of believers that are like-minded yeah. that also provide opportunity not only to grow, but to serve yeah. and, and to be in fellowship with other believers. And yeah. so there are yeah. a lot of yeah. good churches yeah. that do that. And I would say, like, if the reason why you're looking for a new church is because you're relocating to a new area, yeah. then I would say at that point, if you're, in, if you're not certain about what church to visit, then grab the church websites that you have visited yep. and send them to your previous pastor and ask them for their opinion and say, Absolutely. hey, what do you think about this church? And, you know... I, I would, my assumption will be that the pastors will gladly tell you, yeah. It's a great suggestion. Yeah, and do that. We've had folks that have moved out of the area that have contacted us and said, hey, I moved into this area of Florida or wherever. Mm -hmm. Do you have any contacts down here of churches that are good, solid churches? So yeah. reaching out to people that you trust and asking, hey, do you know people yeah. in this area that have Bible-believing yeah. churches is a great suggestion. Yeah, and then the other thing I would say, too, it is okay to visit churches. Like For sure. You don't need to make a decision on the spot. Yeah, because uh, I also seen people that they leave their church and they go to one church and immediately they bind into the church and then a year in they're like, okay, this is not what we thought it was. Sure. So it is okay to visit other churches. What I will say though, we have to understand, and you can hint to that, it is our responsibility to be involved in the church. Yeah. You know, we have been given gift yep. for the benefit of edifying each other, and so when you're visiting churches just as an observant. You're not doing. You're not using your giftedness. So yeah. you, so at some point, you're gonna have to make a decision. This is the church that we're gonna set our roots, and we're gonna allow God to use us here, or we're gonna ask God to use us here. Sure. In this ministry. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, uh, I think that's helpful. Um, what do you think that the modern church currently can learn from the church that we see in the New Testament? You know, following Pentecost, yeah. the church is getting established, the church is being yeah. built. What are some things, as you look at the church in the scriptures and the New Testament scriptures, that you feel the modern church can learn from? Yeah. Personally, I think three things. I think, one, their love for the Word of God, mm -hmm. how devoted they were to learn it and to examine it and to in like apply it in their life. And number two, it was their passion to do the work of God. Yeah. They recognized that they had a responsibility that they needed to to do, that God called them to go out and to share the gospel and to serve their church, their community, the, the area around them. And then number three, which is one that I'm guilty of not having in the front of my mind, but it's something certainly that they, you can see it in the early church, is their, um, the, the, what's the word I'm thinking? It's like they're, they're knowing that the return of Jesus was eminent. Yeah. Like the, uh, what the is confidence it? they had in his return. Yeah, and so... Yeah. What that meant for them is that it meant that they made it up even a greater purpose to live in a way that was worthy of the gospel. They made it even a greater purpose to study the word of God, and they made it even a greater purpose to go out and do the work of God. Yeah. Just that recognition that any day Jesus can return. 
Yeah. And so I think that's something that at the church today, in those three areas, personally, even in my own life, I've seen that we tend to lack. We tend to get used to the Word of God. We tend to get used to other people doing the work of God, especially if you're not a pastor or you're in a ministry. It's easier sure. to think, well, it's their job. It's their responsibility. And, and you know, we get comfortable with the things that this world has to offer. Not necessarily that they're bad, but we can get comfortable and forget that Jesus can come back at any moment. Yeah. No, that's good. I I feel like the the kind of piggybacking off of what you shared, two, two things that come to my mind when I think about the early church was their love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think about in Acts chapter 5 when the disciples were being released from prison and they had been beaten and commanded again not to preach in the name of Christ. And the passage in Acts chapter 5 says they left rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name. And so I'm just thinking, think of the love that they had for the Lord that even as they were being imprisoned and beaten, physically beaten and commanded to quit preaching, they left rejoicing that they were counted worthy to yeah. suffer for yeah. Christ. Um, that's a tremendous love that they yeah. had for the yeah. Lord, right? Yeah. And so I know a lot of you know modern church, myself included in this, we contend sometimes in our actions and in what we value to show more love for ourselves than we do the Lord yeah. about our own comforts, our own desires, our own wants that we will put primary in our lives and our love for the Lord becomes very quickly mm-hmm. secondary in our lives. Yeah. So I, I would say we can learn from them a, a passionate love for Christ that affected every area of their life. And then the second one is similar to it. It would be the love that they had for one another, yeah. right? Um, there was such a care and devotion to the Lord and therefore to one another that this is what we would be told is the mark of the believer in First John, that you will know you are a believer by your love, right? By your love for one another. This is how all people, Jesus said, will know that you're my disciples, by your love for one another, right? And so um, they were as followers of Christ in the extreme minority in the early church. Mm -hmm. And so they had all things in common and they came together and they fellowshiped together, they worshiped together, they served together. They sought to literally turn the world upside down uh, for Christ, right? To just completely turn everything on its Mm -hmm. side because of what Jesus was able to do. So I think as believers in Christ, and, and I think we see some of that on display, you know you know the feeling of gathering with believers, like if you've been on mission trips, yeah. you can go overseas and you can meet brothers and sisters in Christ that you've never met before. Mm-hmm. And from day one, when you see them and meet them and you embrace them and you're talking together, it feels like you've known them your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. And by the time a week ends of a missions trip and and we're leaving. I, I mean, I, I think about so many trips I've taken, even when I was doing high school ministry, where students would be in tears mm-hmm. leaving brothers and sisters that they met. And they've only known for a week, yeah. and they're going yeah. back home. And it's like they're they're just so yeah. overjoyed that they met, but also sad that they're going to be apart. The most impactful you know? hug I ever got in my entire life was by a man that I never met in a moment that I would, uh, I really needed. Hmm. It was an American while I was living in the U and the DR. In a moment of brokenness, he came and gave me a hug. He didn't yeah. say one word, but he was a Christian. I was a Christian. Yeah, That's you shared that story with me yeah. before. Um, I'm a little disappointed. The most impactful hug wasn't when I hugged you yesterday because I gave you a hug yesterday. Yeah, that that, that does that didn't impact you at all. It, I mean, it was uh, it caught me off guard. That don't happen often. Wow. Not, not that I'm looking now, for them. If you want, I mean, I can even start giving you a kiss on the cheek. I kiss my like nah, relatives on the I cheek. I do that to my dad. That's that's okay. my culture. So you don't want that. That's all right. We're in America. America. Okay. 
right. So <laughs> no impactful hug from me, obviously. Here, here's what, you know, as you're talking, yeah. this is what I, I kept thinking that was interesting. So you think about like the early church Christians, the majority of them, like when you think in the book of Acts, a good majority of them, either them themselves personally or by firsthand witness, they, they saw the crucifixion and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus, mm. you know, either by either themselves or maybe by the, by, by the witness of people that were there themselves, right? Sure. And you think about what that meant for them in, in back then. That was like astronomical. Like that was yeah. air-changing or, or world-changing, whatever you want to define it, however you want to say it. Sure. But it was not something that they would expect. And so naturally they were going to have passion and they were going to be committed to the work that they needed to do. But then you think about us today, like it seems a little bit distant, uh, the events of the cross for us today. I mean, over 2,000 years, we will say, and yet I, th- I want to draw us back to that moment when we first trust that message of the gospel. Yeah. Like we may have not been there watching Jesus, but if you truly understand what took place on the cross and if you truly embrace that message in your life. Yeah. It's just as life-changing and transforming as anything else. Yeah. So much so that that truth that you and I are forgiven despite of our mistakes and that we have now a purpose, which is to live our life to bring him honor and glory, that should give us all the motivation and momentum that we need to do what we need to do. For sure. You know? Yeah, his love should compel us. Yeah. Right? The love that's been demonstrated to us. I think of when Jesus was talking to Thomas. This is when Thomas was doubting because Thomas yeah. didn't see the Lord resurrected. Yeah. Right? And so Jesus appears to Thomas, and he's like, Thomas, it's me. And he was like, here, like, touch my hand and and touch my side. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God, right? And Jesus said to Thomas, Thomas, you see and you believe. You believe because you see. Mm -hmm. And he said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet yet believe, believe. right? And so um, we would fall into that category of those that, no, we weren't present to see Jesus and touch Jesus and watch him and listen to him in person. But we have you know, his spirit that he has not left us alone. He is with us. He mm-hmm. said, I will send the comforter yeah. and he will guide you and lead you yeah. in truth um, that we understand through the revelation of Jesus Christ, through the revelation God has given to us in his word and through the spirit of God, that God has given us eyes to see. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, that should stir within us a passion and a desire to love him mm-hmm. and to love one another. Because mm-hmm. that's what he's called us yeah. to do. So, but yeah, a lot of good things we can learn from from the New Testament church. Yeah. There's many more things, but um, we don't want to spend the next several weeks talking Eric, about it because it could take weeks to talk about all yeah. that. More than that, than we yeah. could learn from the, the church. So, last question, uh, kind of uh, an interesting one here too. What is a method you use for mes- for memorizing scripture? Yeah. What would be a method you use? So for that? Uh, that is for me one of the most one, one of the hardest discipline. Yeah. To to get a grasp on because I have a photographic memory. So I can memorize really? yeah, I can memorize like if I look at the phone number, for example. I was just gonna say just not phone numbers because No no no. Like if I look at it, the most time that I've done it is because I look at it and remember and yeah, then five minutes later I'll forget. Yeah. So well, it's that's like, not a photographic memory then. It is a photographic memory in that like in the like in the moment Like it, you have a minute photographic memory. Maybe. Okay, yeah. like a Polaroid. Yeah, don't, don't be... It's there, and then it's gone. No, that's why I did great in school, because I will remember things, and then well, after... Photographic memory is like where you can like, remember Okay, so to then... explain to me photographic memory, <laughs> no, Pastor just... Bruce, no, psycho- psychologist. Keep, keep, keep going, keep <laughs> Never going. Never mind, you know yeah. what? <laughs> For memorizing scripture. So my, my struggle is, is that I cannot retain things, partially because I'm trying to memorize them in a different language than my native language. Okay. So I have a harder time with that. And the reason why I do that is because... 
I don't want to memorize them in Spanish because I'm not ministering to a Spanish culture. I'm ministering sure. to an English culture. But nonetheless, what I have seen very effective is uh, for me to write it down over and over, but also to say it aloud. Anytime that I'm by myself, I will repeat it. If there's a specific verse I want to memorize. And then uh, I, Pastor Steve and Pastor Sean, we have this accountability uh, thing where for the most part we stopped. We have stopped because of business of life. But for the most part, we were every week we were checking on each other that we were uh, memorizing a verse together. So we will pick a verse together and we will memorize nice. it. And then the following week we'll be like, all right, let's, you say it, I say it, and he says it. Yeah. So that's what it was has been effective for me. That's but good. I'm not the guy that you want to ask for how to best memorize because yeah. that's an area of struggle. Yeah. Because I don't have no, a photographic good. memory. Yeah. I guess I just have a bad memory. Yeah. Well, you started off by saying I have a photographic memory, but I can't remember anything. So. Well, so what would define a photographic memory? Well, I believe a photographic memory is when you can look at something like, for example, a page, and as you look through it, like you can put that away, go from it, and like weeks months whatever like you, you can recall that in your mind as though you're looking right at the page again like that's a photographic memory yeah it's i can do that like you can take a I mean, maybe it's more it. like a maybe it's more like an over over uh never mind i'm done okay <laughs> so yeah. your fantasy football doing yeah so uh i i know for me for memorizing scripture um and and this is i would say the long-term retention for me is the bigger struggle than short-term memory retention of of scripture um, most of the verses that I remember best, like word for word, um, are verses that I memorized when I was a teenager. And that was um, by looking at the passages of Scripture mm -hmm. throughout the day. My dad used to print up verses for us when we go to school. Yeah. Like, hey, memorize these throughout the day. And we would take it out and did read it. You guys did Oasis? Did we Oasis or Awana? Awana, Awana, yeah. Yeah, Awana. I didn't do Awana because okay. I that was that's where I remember most of the verses I know is from Awana. Yeah, I didn't do Awana because I was a teenager when I came to the Lord. I was just in my teenage years, um, but yeah, Awana is very effective with memory verses. But for me right now, present day, the way I memorize a lot of scripture is when I'm preaching. Yeah, from reading say. the text over and over again. So yeah. most Sundays when I get up to preach, I have the text I'm preaching on memorized, yeah. um, and so I I would be able to in most instances be able to recite the entirety of the text yeah. from memory because of reading through it so much. And so for me, a lot of times if I could get the opening couple words of a passage, if someone shares it, I can finish it if I've preached it before yeah. because I've, of memorizing it from reading it through so many times. Yeah. And and so that's yeah. that's normally what I would say if people were like, hey, what's the best way to memorize Scripture? For me, it's just regularly, repeatedly reading the verses that you want to memorize saying them out loud, writing them out, and reading them through. Yeah. It will be committed to memory. Um, but there's a lot of creative ways. Some yeah, people... and I think that's very dependent on the individuals. I agree like, with I you. I think yeah. that to be able to, to come here and say this is the proper way to do it, I think it's, it's kind of faulty because your way wouldn't work for me. And I will say, though, uh, I, I do – it does help me when I'm teaching a passage to remember the passage. So, like, my thing is I, for the most part, I have a really good memory of remem remembering the – essence of a passage but if you ask me word for word what it says or where it's found i will sometimes have a hard time with that yeah but you know that's just honesty me. is the best policy i appreciate that yeah, yeah i mean that's good i'm not trying to pretend good. well this has been good yeah i didn't realize um, i didn't have a photographic memory i've been lying yeah my whole life. why what would make you think you did have a photographic memory because when i take a when i will take a test and i will remember i will take the test and i will remember the page that i saw the answer to that question, I will remember, okay, this is what it says, and I will answer. And then 
from the, the after the test, I will get done two weeks back. And if you ask me the same question, I wouldn't remember it. Oh, well, yeah. maybe that's partial. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know what the technical yeah. definition of photographic memory yeah. would be. Well, so I have I side twenty to fifteen. So okay, yeah, that's <laughs> useful information. Um, so, Pastor Eric Gill, one more time, if people have questions, they could submit. Would love to get those questions submitted. What's the number that they can submit? Three three zero three three one six five nine four. Nope, but it's close. Three three zero three three one six four five three. Three three zero. I need to see it and then I'll remember. Three three one six four five three. So uh, we do appreciate people listening and Absolutely. tuning in all around the world, all around the world, Alaska, Hawaii, and all over. Yeah. Um, what is the question, Pastor Eric? It's Absolutely. been a while since you've asked it because I we've know, had guests. We, we have had guests. We've had guests. I've been removed, uh, but yeah. Yes. What is your? What does your life look like beyond the pew? Yeah, and we hope it's honoring to the Lord, and we hope you'll be back next week. Mm -hmm. So have a great weekend.